Welcome to the Crystal Clear Podcast. I'm Eric Felton. I'm here with Weekly Standard founder and editor-at-large, Bill Crystal. Bill, welcome. Thanks, Eric. Good to be back from our Weekly Standard cruise, which we survived and even enjoyed, right? Absolutely. Back on dry land. Yeah, that was good. That first night was rough at sea. I'm just warning people out there. (laughs) The Atlantic in early September... Maybe not the uh, place if you're not a big seaman, which I'm certainly not, uh, where you want to be. But otherwise, it was great. It and, was better uh, than being in off the Florida Keys, though. Well, that's a good point. That's so, a good point. Bill, you used to teach at the Harvard uh, Kennedy School of Government. Um, I, I went to the Kennedy School of Government, and I, I think having both of us having affiliations there, we both uh, felt keenly the disappointment in the school for offering a visiting fellowship to the traitor formerly known as Bradley Manning. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing. I'm all for diversity of opinion, and I'm all for having people speak, including Chelsea Manning. That's that's perfectly reasonable, but uh, or at least it's within the bounds of what a university can and should do. But making her a visiting fellow at a school of public policy is a bit much. I mean, within, what, less than a decade ago, she uh, did really betray the country. I guess she didn't, uh, wasn't convicted of treason. She was convicted of espionage. But uh, giving thousands of documents that damaged our foreign policy and that really endangered American soldiers, diplomats, spies around the world, uh, that's way beyond the normal line of, you know, healthful, healthy dissent and diversity of views. And again, I'm not for oppressing her. And I'm, she's served her time. She, got, well, she didn't serve her time. She got her sentence commuted. But that that was done legally, so she's out. And if she wants to, sp- if someone wants to invite her to speak at Harvard, I, I don't have any problem with that. But the fellow visiting fellow is a little different. That's a real standing, you know. That's a, there are several. Well, there are five or six of them. I think each term there's supposed to be people of some distinction. There are people who teach usually a undergraduate, not for credit course. And I think it was good that people protested. I certainly did, and a lot of others did. I give Mike Pompeo, the head of the CIA, who's himself a Harvard Law graduate, a lot of credit for refusing to speak there on Thursday night, which I think probably triggered enough of a reaction that uh, the dean did pull back now and has, has withdrawn the the fellowship. So that's that's a case where Harvard actually reacted to public opinion, to a healthy public opinion, I think. Former CIA Deputy Director Michael Morrell also resigned his fellowship at, at the Kennedy School at the Belfer Center um, in protest. Yeah, I mean, that was impressive. He, he's on an advisory committee there. I don't know, you know, there are so many of these at the Kennedy School, but still, he, his name is being used to, um, in a way, put a to blast or to legitimize or uh, what the work that's being done there. And then you have Chelsea Manning, and it, I, I give him credit for, for resigning with an eloquent letter. He was, pre- he's, he was a career CIA guy, but he certainly rose to the most prominence under President Obama. So you couldn't just say this is a bunch of Trump people or right-wingers who are complaining or people like me. So, um, I, you know, it was the Kennedy School Dean's statement was kind of is worth reading. It's a little bit... Uh, grudging, I would say, in, in acknowledging his mistake. But he does acknowledge his mistake, you know, and how often does that happen these days anywhere? So that was that was a good outcome, too. I think making it doubly brave on the part of, uh, of those who objected was that it ran counter to the trend of saying anything about anyone who's transgender is um, considered an offense against uh, uh, virtue and decency. Right, but I think everyone made clear. I did actually in a tweet, and Pompeo and Morrell certainly did that. That had nothing. If Bradley Manning were Bradley Manning still, and Bradley Manning were offered this fellowship, I would have objected just as vociferously. So you should get no extra credit or extra blame for whatever personal decisions you make about gender orientation. 
out on her boo-hoo book tour, Hillary Clinton making herself the center of the Democratic Party once again. If you were a Democratic Party elder, how bent out of shape would you be at the fact that Hillary Clinton can't let go? I wouldn't be too much because, I mean, it's fun for us to talk about, but it's not going to affect a single vote uh, a year from now or, or a single thing in Congress. I am struck. I was with a couple of Democrats. I was giving a talk uh, in Chicago and, uh, anyway, at private conversations with some people uh, who happened to be in, gay in the same event. And uh, they were more – they weren't upset about it. They didn't think it was going to damage the Democratic Party. They just thought it was revealing about Hillary Clinton and sort of reminds one why she had so much trouble uh, and didn't end up defeating Donald Trump when, of course, he was an incredibly vulnerable candidate. I mean, this, she puts herself first. She can't help but uh, complain and whine and blame others for her defeat. I mean, even if it's true that you think the Russians contributed or the voters were foolish or a million other things happened to contribute to, to her defeat, and that, that, that is probably true, incidentally. It just any normal person just says, I'm not even going to get into that, right? I mean, I'm going to take responsibility. I wish I'd run a better campaign, and here's where are my thoughts. It's it's revealing that she just can't let go, and there I've not read the book, but there are excerpts where she sort of blames young women for not rallying to her and voting for her. Well, maybe she should have explained to them what she was going to do to make their lives better uh, and what forward-looking agenda she had instead of assuming that young women would vote for her because she was an older woman. I mean, it's a ridiculous assumption. Um, and, you know, she paid a price for that kind of assumption and not having a positive message in the campaign. It's so revealing also that she wants to look backwards. I mean, I think if, again, I was thinking about this, if you were a normal presidential candidate, maybe you'd lost your last race. You know, you might want to write a book, say, you know, well, I lost, but I think I have something to contribute to the country's discussion. Here's my thoughts on this issues or that. I mean, nothing like that, right? What happened is the name of the book. But interestingly, what happened without a question mark? Right. So she's going to tell, needs a question mark. She's going to tell us what happened. She has such perfect understanding of this race. She totally botched. It's no Nixon who, who didn't, you know, go around relitigating Watergate. Instead, he sat down and wrote some serious books about uh, statesmanship. And he lost in 60 in a very close race, and maybe it was even stolen from him by the Kennedys. Lost in 62 what in the happened? governor's race. Lost in the governor's race in California in 62. And actually, you know, didn't, I don't believe, dwell on those and, and, and tried to write about what he had learned from his experience in government. That book, Six Crises, I remember vaguely reading years and years ago. So, um, yeah, he, 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 she shows a lack of self-awareness and self-understanding. When you don't rise to the Nixon standard. You right. Know. Uh, so anyway, I think Democrats privately are sort of thinking, well, fine, this is one last tour. Look, she's making a lot of money off the book. It sort of reminds you what the Clintons care a lot about, right? Why did she have to write a book at all? Is that a custom that you lose a presidential campaign and you write a book? I don't think most people have done that. They've gone back to their jobs. No, usually John the Kerry... campaign book is during the election. <laughs> John Kerry went back to the Senate. Al Gore, you know, became a huge uh, uh, advocate on global warming and all that stuff. But, I mean, to his credit, he didn't write a whole book about 2000 and how he was uh, should have won even though he won the popular vote and stuff. So there is something a little... It is revealing that she wrote that book. And uh, Hillary's out there saying that um, the rules need to be changed. No more electoral college. How far is she going to get with that? Well, it's silly because it's in the Constitution. I, I mean, I think the electoral college has pluses and minuses like most human institutions, but that's a very silly thing to dwell on, I think. Speaking of the Constitution, what is it that happened 230 years ago this Sunday? You know, I'd have to that's September 17th. 
hey, that is the day. The Call founders. it Constitution Day. Is that, so that would yeah. be, what, September 17th? But it's oh. an obscure federal holiday, not the sort of holiday that you get the day off for, but a day that's recognized as Constitution Day. The official title of it is Constitution Day and Citizenship Day, which I think is actually a, a nice way of tying that you know commitment to the Constitution is what defines us as Americans. You know, we discussed holidays, what, a week or two ago on this uh, podcast, and it is, July 4th is the big holiday. Independence comes first. The principles come first. All men are created equal. But you do need a constitution to make it work, and that's a very, and we didn't make it work at first. We had the Articles of Confederation. That's a good reminder that we're not so, you know. There's no Articles of Confederation Day. No, we make mistakes, too, though. You know, people are so contemptuous of countries in the Middle East or in East Europe that have trouble with making democracy work. We, We had trouble making it work. Uh, but the Constitution is a real reminder, yes, that the institutions matter, uh, the, 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 the way we organize ourselves, these things. You can't just say, hey, democracy, voting, you know, everything will be fine. I mean, if you read the Federalist Papers, a huge amount of thought was given to separation of powers, federalism, checks and balances, uh, how to structure each branch of government. And that's something that uh, we've preserved pretty well in our constitutional tradition. Uh, but we need to really r- probably revive that kind of constitutionalist thinking almost. So I'm glad you mentioned Constitution Day. And for all of the criticisms of, uh, of Donald Trump, it's one thing that the president has showed up is how robust the institutions of American government are and how much the institutions resist the overreaching of a president who might like to rule with an unfettered hand. Absolutely. And I mean, 9-11, everyone said, oh, my God, you know, uh, civil liberties are going to disappear. If you compare what happened after 9-11 to what happened after, you know, Pearl Harbor or something, a much more robust uh, understanding of how to balance national security and civil liberties. So, yeah, there's a lot. These are not the greatest days, maybe, in American politics and a lot of worrisome things and a lot of challenges. But this is a good reminder of uh, that we should be grateful to the founders for the Constitution. But it's our job to keep it going. Well, that's it for today's Crystal Clear podcast with Bill Crystal. Bill, thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Eric. Support for the Crystal Clear podcast comes from The Great Courses Plus. One of our greatest joys is the pursuit of knowledge, learning more about the world around us, exploring new interests. That's what makes The Great Courses Plus so valuable. They find the brightest minds from the top 1% of professors in America and make them accessible in their video lecture series. Subscribe to The Great Courses Plus and you get unlimited access to stream and download thousands of videos on a wide variety of topics, history, politics, music, art, and much more. And right now, as one of our podcast listeners, you can start watching The Great Courses Plus for free. You might want to check out one of the courses I've enjoyed, The Modern Political Tradition, It's a terrific introduction if you're new to political philosophy and a worthwhile refresher course if you're an old hand. The Great Courses Plus are giving Weekly Standard podcast listeners a great way to find out just how valuable the programs are. An entire month of unlimited access to watch any of their lectures for free. All you need to do to get this special offer is to sign up at thegreatcoursesplus.com slash standard. Start your free month today by signing up at thegreatcoursesplus.com slash standard. Make sure you catch every week the Crystal Clear podcast and all our podcasts at the Weekly Standard. You can go to Google Play or iTunes or our website, weeklystandard.com.
I'm Eric Felton. Catch you next time.